You're listening to Trot the Egging, hosted by John Hetherington, working with Witness Rugby Union Football Club, sponsored by Boydells. This week's rugby story is that of a lady from the Shetlands who hasn't been playing rugby long, but found an environment in which she can be herself, and also tends to enjoy the contact side of it as well. Playing her trade for the Shot and Steel ladies in the back three or the outside centre, whilst also enjoying American football with Cheshire Bears. Constantly learning her craft in both sports, yet absolutely loving life and about to give rugby league a good go. There isn't anything this woman won't throw her body into. Ladies and gents, Miss Ashley Manson. Follow, like, share, subscribe and endorse us via Facebook, Trot the Eggin, Twitter, at Trot the Eggin, slash at John Heath, Instagram, Trot underscore D underscore Egg underscore in, YouTube, Trot the Eggin, LinkedIn, John Hetherington, and Spotify, Trot the Eggin. So Ashley, how have you been? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you, John. Really, really good. I'm full of the cold at the minute, though, but what can you do? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, is that after the, the uh, your Six Nations weekend, is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, the Six Nations party did me a little bit dirty, but it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you had a good time, to be fair, good idea what you've done. Yeah, definitely. It was really, really yeah. good. We all had a good crack. So before we get stuck into your, your sporting story and, and education and stuff, where was home for you and, and who lived at home with you as a kid? So I'm originally from the Shetland Isles. So northeast Scotland, and I lived at home growing up with my big brother Jonathan and my mom. Right. So how, how was that with the big brother? What what goes on there? Competition wise, um, it was good. My brother was never really into sports, being honest. I was. I always was as a kid. Um, but I was the typical annoying little sister that just wanted to be involved in everything my big brother was doing. Um, every time Jonathan had friends over and stuff, I had to like. Put my nose in and I just wanted to be involved. <laughs> just hoping they left a bit of Ben and Jerry's for you to, to have when he done one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's school like up there? Because I imagine it's a very small community. Everyone knows everyone. And... Yeah, yeah, it is. So um, on the island, there's only two high schools. Um, so it's kind of like a north and south kind of idea. Um, there's loads of primary schools across the island. Um, but I went to the biggest school on the island. It is really good, exactly what you said. It is a very small community. A lot of people know everybody. People are in their own pockets. But it's the most beautiful place in the whole world. I love Shetland. I can't really diss it too much. <laughs> oh, I'm not asking you to, don't worry. <laughs> I wouldn't move back, so, though. <laughs> yeah, you love it that much. <laughs> so what... What's sport like on the Shetlands then? Is it is it limited? Did he allow you to talk no, about everything? Or? There's loads of sports um, in Shetland, to be honest. As a kid, I played um, hockey, netball, and I did some trampolining. When I was growing up, rugby was never something I saw. I tried to get into football because I was a little bit of a tomboy, but it wasn't for me because I was putting goals. So I didn't like that whatsoever. <laughs> um, but it's only really after I've left the island that I've realised how big rugby is on Shetland. Like they've got a women's team and a men's team um, and they do a lot with juniors, et cetera, just to try to get the youth up. Um, but it was never something I was introduced when I was in Shetland itself. That's fair enough then. It's still, it, what we'll talk about later on as well, about mm-hmm. what other sports you play outside of rugby, but you seem to enjoy the contact sport, don't you? 
Yeah, but I never, ever really thought I would. <laughs> so when I told my dad that I started playing contact sports, he literally just couldn't believe it. Like, I think he thought I was yeah. fibbing when I first told him I was playing rugby. Mm -hmm. And then later down the line, I took up American football. So I think yeah. that just worried about my my mental state, being honest, of me going into nothing <laughs> and then all of a sudden into the two biggest contact Extreme. sports going. <laughs> yeah. So it's, but you really, hockey is very physical. Yeah. Netball, I only heard from the girls I grew up with, it's elbows in the face and a little bit of standing on feet. And <laughs> it's all, all of it's got that element of, controlled aggression in it hasn't it yeah absolutely I think that's the best way to put it controlled aggression <laughs> what's that why is that good that controlled um probably because I'm not very controlled with aggression when it comes to rugby and American football I'm the least aggressive person you'll ever meet in your life so the fact that I play very aggressive sports is just completely out of my nature well, a nice outlook for you I imagine obviously we'll talk later on about the line of work you're in and and how, how that is for a woman in that environment and stuff but is it a nice outlet for you so you can go and yeah. express yourself for an hour and a half and absolutely it's amazing I never thought that like I'd be such a good stress reliever it's incredible yeah right, so we'll go right back then so junior school and, and how does that work for you Ash um so school I would like to say I'm very well behaved <laughs> um mm. I had to study really hard to try get anywhere um, I think it's just the way I think I think a bit differently to everybody else all my teachers always said to me you have to work smarter not harder Ashley just I don't know I think I just operate on kind of different thinking levels than everybody else I had to go to like after school clubs Um, I had to do like night schooling when I broke my foot when I was younger and I had to get homeschooled and everything and they thought I was going to be held back a year in school because I just wasn't learning as fast as I thought I would um but yeah it's just it's one of them it was really really good though obviously I've got I made loads of friends etc in school I still stay in contact with two of my best friends from school so it's really really good it's not, isn't it? yeah definitely so I hear more of a, a doer than a, a say a sort of thing so you you'd rather be out and practically doing it than theory on paper sort of thing yeah, absolutely. I can't really apply myself on paper very well. As much as I like to right. think that I can, um, I'm yeah. definitely better on the practical side. Is it something you've had, you've had to adapt to and how have you found that? Yeah, definitely. I think there's just like different ways of learning and just being open to be able to receive the different ways of learning as well is a huge aspect of it all, I find. Because when I struggled in school, I was very close, like close-minded I wasn't willing to kind of learn and develop in different ways. But I think as I've grown older, you have to, because otherwise, how else are you going to develop? Yeah, we all think we're all better as a kid as well, don't we? Oh, my God. It's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're transitioning into high school. How was that? And is that when your eyes were open to sport, really? High yeah, school? absolutely. Because um, in Shetland, we were, well, you get forced to do PE, I don't know what it's like on yeah. the mainland down here. I don't know what it's like in Wales. Um, and I tried to do the minimal amount of PE as possible because I was just like, I don't want to do this. I would rather be sitting doing sports that I enjoy because what we were forced to do in PE was either basketball, badminton or swimming. And I hated all three of them. I was, it was horrible. Um, so I resented sports in that aspect of when it was forced upon me. 
but when I got the opportunity to go do sports it would be I'd be doing sports most nights being honest if I could join a new team that's what I wanted to do but as soon as I was in high school being forced to play badminton because I've got the worst coordination on the planet um I really resented it I did not like it at all and basketball I'm only five foot three so you can imagine how terrible I was at that as well (laughs) well I have got a question like considering how small you are your position that or a picture a scene of you playing rugby very much as if you go up in line outs um, no, so that picture of me wearing lifting blocks, that was a last minute decision. God bless our coach. We didn't have anybody to go up and he was just like, right, we're going to have to potentially have you open a line out, Ashley. I think I got up in the line out in training on the Wednesday. And then when it came to the game on Sunday, thank goodness I didn't have to go up, but I had to be prepared anyway, just to be on the safe side. So you should have strapped it up by your ankle something. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Which, again, them three sports you spoke about that you were forced to play and you're saying your coordination doesn't or isn't up to what you'd imagine it's up to, yet the sports you play, the very little movements and intricacies all warrant decent coordination at the very least, aren't they? Yeah. So you must have had something about you and you've just not realised it. Yeah, that's it. I think I was just kind of like more close-minded in school and I was just like, oh, I don't really know what I'm capable of, and it's only as I've grown older, then I'm more open-minded to it all, and I'll welcome it more, I'll welcome new things, whereas when I was younger, I wasn't really into things like that, I was just like, oh, I'd rather stick to my own kind of boundaries and comforts, being honest. Yeah, and then, so competition-wise at school, was it internal, or did you go and do a bit of travelling with the sport? Uh, A lot of it was internal because we've got like kind of rivalry clubs, etc. in Shetland. Um, But I did get the opportunity to travel to the Orkney Islands a few times to sit and play um, netball. So that was good. Yeah. And what's what's it like? So is there any like representative opportunities or is the is the spark clicky at all? Because I've strictly just played rugby through life and I know that can be clicky which hopefully you've not had to come across but I imagine other sports are very much the same yeah definitely they can be yeah. I think it just depends on what club etc you belong to what the team's like um because I've had experiences in clicky teams but as soon as you move to a different team it's a completely different culture in it so I think it just depends yeah. sometimes who your team members are right when when it comes to competition are you are you fierce are you do you just enjoy the game or is it a bit of both? Um, I don't know. Sometimes I can be a little bit competitive, but I would say that I'm more of like a happy-go-lucky type of person. Um, as much as my team probably wish I was a bit more competitive, um, they always ask me, well, they don't ask me, they tell me that they want to see my aggressive side, but no matter how much I try to get it out of me, I just can't. I would just rather just like have fun and just play for me and play for my team. So as much as I would like to be competitive, I don't really think I've got it in me sometimes. Yeah. Are you someone that needs like an early touch in those sports you were involved in? Are you happy to be patient and let let the the flow of the game come to you? Um, I definitely get really, really bad nerves and things like that before a game. So I like having the initial hits and tackles done at the beginning. If it doesn't happen kind of in the first five minutes, I'm kind of like a, I'm a wreck in the game because I'm nervous and I like build up that nervousness. Yeah. 
So you, so you'll go and seek that contact or yeah. that first touch. Just yeah. to put myself at ease for the rest of the game because if I don't get that first touch out the way, then like I can tell that I'm off because I'm worried about that build-up of when's it going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, so I would rather have it in my control that I get out the way. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. So, what's what school like? So you play in sports. How's how's the educational side going? And and what inspired you to go on and do what you're doing? Um, I don't really know. Being honest, a lot of my friends they left and went to university, and I was the only one out of my kind of friendship group that didn't go off to uni. So to leave Shetland, you go down to Glasgow or Edinburgh or Dundee or anything like that. And when the time came, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So I signed up and I did a gap year with my local council, um, travelled around parts of the world doing research about student needs. So we visited schools all around the globe, which was really, really good. And then by the time I came back to Shetland at 18, um, that was when I started my career in health and safety. It was just very much a fluke how it all happened. The Shetland gas plant was operational and it's very much of, with it being Shetland, very close community. My, some of my family members worked up there. Yeah. So I just managed to get a job. And then, I don't know, I just preferred learning whilst I was working rather than going to university or anything like that because I think it was because I felt like I couldn't apply myself very well. And that's what put me off going to university. Sometimes that environment just doesn't suit Ashley, does it? Yeah, exactly. the, the working one does. So you're learning and being paid, are you? Which is two beauties, really. Definitely. Right. So let's talk about traveling the world a little bit, if that's all right. So, yeah, of course. How do you just fall into that and what places did you go? Um, so I fell into the gap year itself because it was through something called Learning School. And that's like a function that the Shetland Owens Council run out. But I had heard about it because I did like a school exchange a few previous years and we went to South Africa. I went with um, a really good friend of mine called Emma and it was so much fun going to South Africa. And then that's when I first heard about what learning school was. Um, and when I found out that they were hosting learning school again, I just knew I had to put an application form in to see if I could potentially seek this opportunity. I was really lucky to be selected. It was really, really good. It was like a really... It's like small knit group of us that got selected and um yeah it was incredible so we went to a few places around europe we went to new jersey um we went to new zealand australia south africa it was just absolutely incredible honestly it was the best thing oh, i ever very did good then, though. <laughs> <laughs> do you get downtime when you're over in them places do you get to go and see a bit of the, the country or the city you're in and stuff yeah yeah we did so yeah we would go to the schools during the week and then the weekend was just kind of our time. And then there were sometimes depending on traveling that we'd maybe have an extended weekend, etc. So no, it was incredible. It was the best thing I ever did. And if you speak to my dad about it, my dad says that traveling is the thing that like changed me, that made me who I am now. So right. Really and did you see that? Or was it is it took someone like your dad to tell you that it's it's brought you out of you? It, took my dad to tell me because I never realized I never really realized yeah. who I was or anything like that but now it's like being pointed out to me and highlighted to me I've got more confidence in myself and it's just it really did just change me because I had to like I had to fend for myself basically so I was with a group of 
people that weren't my family and it was just like well what do you do in this situation etc so no it was really good you've just you've just turned into a from a lady to a woman overnight on a travel yeah. really and yeah. come back come back adult adulting <laughs> <laughs> so when what what were the cultures like was there something you'd enjoy could you have seen yourself possibly going back to any of them countries or? oh my gosh yeah so south africa i've been there three times i absolutely love the place i wanted to move there i wanted to go to stellenbosch university so for someone that never wanted to go to university when i went traveling I was like, I could potentially settle here. This place is amazing. Um, but by the time I finished my gap year, I went home and just started working. Then I was just like, no, working's for me. But I'd go back again in a heartbeat. No problem whatsoever. Yeah. What keeps you going back? Is it work or is it, has some of it been leisure as well? Oh, just leisure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's all right for some, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so you come back and you start the journey in like you said health and safety and when you walk through that door on the first formal day how does that feel for a, a young woman in a predominantly so male dominated industry isn't it yeah so I was 18 19 when I started and there was about 3,000 contractors on that site never been in a position like this before it was the most nerve-wracking thing in the whole world being honest yeah it was, it was hard it was really really hard um but I think just after finding who I was I think it just made it a lot easier um mm. I never really felt like there was that I don't know like female male divide because I was so set in who I was it didn't matter what the sex was of somebody yeah but no, I like wrong. that because it you shouldn't have been made to feel like that either. Yeah, definitely. But it happens, doesn't it? It yeah. does. I'm not justifying it, by the way. No, I'm just no, saying I it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> it does, absolutely. But then I've been in the industry 10 years now. And don't get me wrong, there is elements where I am put in kind of not nice situations because I am female. But it's just, it's, you just stand your own ground as a human being. It doesn't matter what sex you are. You can't be nice when you get your gun shield out your bag and that and you're ready <laughs> yeah, to go. <laughs> I think it frightens a lot of people when they say to me, like, what have you done the weekend, Ashley? And I'm like, oh, I had American football on Saturday, I had rugby on Sunday, and they're just kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, I imagine so, because when Sarah told me, and I look, you just, you look so feminine, so petite, it's, and you just don't expect it, you look really innocent, <laughs> don't look like you'd want to smash anyone around. That's it's it. Just, it's mad, isn't it? It's like your alter ego. I know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was... In them times, have you ever sat down and thought, this might not be for me, this? Or is there, is there that in a woman going, no, oh, we can prove to people that we can mix it with anyone we want to mix it with? Yeah, definitely. I think it was like my stubbornness got yeah. the better of me and just said, like, don't give up. So when I did have like hard days, it was just a matter of, well, let's prove everybody wrong. What else are you going to do after? Are you going to go to university? And I didn't want that. So I was just like, I'm just yeah. gonna stick it out with my career. Um, and just being lucky enough that I can call it a career, been doing it for 10 years now, and hopefully I'll be doing it until I retire. And it's yeah. something was I've there any press? Yeah, sorry, was there any pressures from home? Or would you know how to go and be who you wanted to be? And um because yeah. I imagine a lot of like when I was growing up, a lot of my mates were told this is how things work, and I was very much allowed to go and do what I felt. Was, was a bit of me 
Yeah, uh, I think pressures mostly came from school, being honest. Our teachers yeah. were very much of, after you've finished high school, you must go to university and you won't succeed unless you have a university degree or anything like that. Um, my mom was very supportive of me. My dad was just the best thing in the whole world. He always said to me, like, I don't have to go to university if I don't want to. I did all of the career days, all of them weird career tests that yeah. they get you to do as well. And I was just like, none of these are for me. I don't know what I want to do. So You went for the freebies and got a magnet, not a hoodie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's nice that you've gone and you've found your own way, isn't it? You've, you've been a while to go and do the travel with that job that you, you fell into, which was obviously meant to be. I'm a big believer in stuff like that. And then you've come home and you've, you've done the grind, haven't you? You've started really from probably the bottom. Yeah, you've absolutely. had to mix it with very experienced people. Definitely, because when I started in health and safety, I was just doing the administration for the team. Um, and it was very much, not to sound sexist, but a typical woman's job, doing the admin, um, working behind a computer, etc. But as I explained more to like my line manager at the time of, I want to get more experience, I want to learn. And that's when I was allowed to like be on site more and learn from my team. And it was just like, this is what I want to do. So it was really good. You've probably thrived because you've been in the, the other side of it and then you've gone to the practical so you can sort of link to and to. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's, yeah. that's one of my big strengths now I find in my current job role is that I've got the knowledge from kind of like the back office experience, yeah. the kind of corporate world of it all. Like I've got a long way to go in my career now of being up to scratch with some of my colleagues at the sharp end on site. Um, but the thing is, is I've got no problem admitting the fact that I've got a long way to learn. I've got a long way to go. And I think that's a strength that I have because I'm not afraid to say that I still need to learn. I don't know everything. Um, but where you I put find... it out there that you need a hand as well, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you need help, you'll ask for it. That's a big strength, isn't it? It shows yeah. your character more than, than theirs, probably. Definitely, because I find sometimes my colleagues um, that I can work alongside or clients or anything like that, that you can tell that they don't know the answer, but they'll just try, pretend that they know the answer. Yeah, blag, yeah, yeah. which doesn't help you, does it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, so when it when it comes to to moving moving away, how, how does that decision come about? How is it explained to family what you're doing and, and what was the big motivator behind that? Um, so the big motivator, I was with um, an ex at the time um, and he lived down this way, moved with him, the job came to an end, contracts and et cetera. And then when we moved, it was just, let's go get another job. Um, I was lucky that my line manager on the gas plant knew my current line manager now. They said, I've got somebody that's going to be moving. Um, at the time, I was a young girl. He was just like, oh, she's a good girl and stuff like that. She'd be good to have on your team. Um, so, yeah, it was just literally the construction industry being the industry that it is of, I know somebody that's looking for a job. Do you know someone that's needing a job, et cetera? So, yeah, so I, was, I think I was really, really lucky in that aspect. Um, and then I remember after breaking up with my ex, like, do I move back to Shetland? I remember that was one of the biggest questions I'd go through my mind and like speak to my family about. But I remember, well, I was phoning my dad and telling him the whole thing. And he remember saying, he was just like, well, what are you going to do if you come back home to Shetland? 
and I, that was like the epiphany moment of well yeah what am I gonna do I've got so much more opportunities down here so it was very much of my dad's always said to me like the world's my oyster and it's just something that like I've lived with my entire life I always say that to people and I don't know I just think it's such a nice a nice way to sit and have a look and aspect on life yeah and sometimes you need that outside of your front door chat don't you and a yeah. bit of like a bit of common sense when you're in a bit of strife isn't it really yeah absolutely well she that probably wants a weekend away now and then <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> absolutely I think that but, was one of the main reasons <laughs> yeah. so do you know when I won't go too much into it like I'm not saying you this and that but when you're going through them issues is the is the people down there for you to lean on or oh, yeah. the people you've met through were they, were they your own friends or did you meet them through the ex and, and how, how was that when did you um, ever feel on your own sort of thing no being honest which I no. think I was quite lucky I think that's just my personality like I can make friends with a rock John like I'm just <laughs> one of them people um but I was so lucky to have like my work colleagues I'd known through the industry since I was 18 as well yeah. so I knew a lot of the people down here um, and then just kind of work colleagues going out after work etc and then make, branching out and just making them additional friends and then obviously still having my two best friends from Shetland one of them lives in Leeds yeah. now and one of them lives in Glasgow so we actually all somehow moved off the island together in a weird roundabout way and then um, I took up rugby and they're like my family yeah no, and, that, and that's the beauty of sport, isn't it? A team environment Absolutely. then becomes family, doesn't it? Hence, some of the questions we'll chat about in a bit. Right, so how, how was rugby introduced to you then and, and where was the first club you went down to? So rugby, I was friends with one of the fabrication superintendents called Mark um, when I worked for a company called Balfour BT. And he literally just shared a Facebook post one day saying, shot and steel ladies are recruiting and to come down to the old clubhouse at Rowley's Drive. And that was it. I just turned up one day in my dress and high heels because I'd been at work all day. And uh, I remember turning up, didn't know a single thing about rugby. I knew that the ball was a different shape. That was it. I didn't know anything else, John. And it was literally, I saw a Facebook post. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give this a whirl. And I did. Well, it's, and that's how things start, isn't it? That's the power of social media and, and the nice side of things. So when, when you get there, then you've already got the principal skills, haven't you, due to your other sports, without you knowing. Um, and the one beauty of the dressing room, I'd imagine, is straight away there's open arms. Yeah. There's probably a couple of bags of Ball dotted about, <laughs> half-drank kind of... Red Bull are monster that are other beverages, obviously. Um, <laughs> that that but it is that welcoming absolutely factor, isn't it? As soon as I got there, I just thought like I love these women, like they're so good. And I just knew that I didn't know if rugby was gonna be my sport. Initially, I didn't really enjoy it that much. I think it was just the fear factor of it. I was terrified the whole time. But yeah. the women in the team, they were just so amazing. Like, they really, really made me feel at ease. And that's the reason why I've stayed at that club now for five years. I wouldn't want to leave that family. Oh, and 
the beauty is, I imagine, all very different backgrounds, very different jobs. Some of them may not have jobs, and this is the one thing that keeps them going sometimes, isn't it? Absolutely. It's the thing that brings us together every week. Yeah, makes everyone level playing field, so to speak, depending on facilities and stuff, obviously. So how are your facilities, and and what happens when you you rock up with your heels and you don't really know what's happening? Uh, So when I rocked up my heels, I got some very, very odd comments from (laughs) the girls, as you can imagine. the facilities when I first joined the club we were at kind of like a an older clubhouse and they said that they had plans to get a new one so we're in a new one now at a place called T Calon um I think it's maybe maybe a year old if that it's incredible state-of-the-art like such an amazing clubhouse when we've welcomed teams from other areas in North Wales they're always commenting on it saying that's really really good so we are lucky definitely with the clubhouse we've got yeah so how did your first session go? What do you remember about it? And what made my, you go back? My first session was definitely just the girls taking the piss out of me, being honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, just the fact that I was Scottish as well. I think that was another thing that they just kept moving uh, into me about. <laughs> just telling me to like say different things. And no, it was really, really good. Um, the fitness element was the biggest thing for me. We didn't do contact really when I first started playing because it was like pre-season when I started. Um, and then I think it was maybe four weeks, maybe five weeks into the training sessions when we had our first game. And when I had my first game, you should see the photos. I'm just stood out on the wing, having no idea what is going on because <laughs> that was the first game I'd ever seen in my life was the game I played. So you haven't even... I hadn't even seen anything on TV. I hadn't seen anything at different clubhouses. I just, that was it. That was my first rugby game. I'm going to put it to you then. So you're learning on the job. And and what little tips do people help you with? Uh, The biggest tip from the girls was definitely when they shout at me not to take it to heart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everyone down at Shot and Steel... Um, they're brilliant at like telling you what to do because we have that much different abilities within the club so we've got some people that have played ever since they were kids and we've had people like just recently join as well I know that one of my really my best friend now um, I think she started maybe the week before I did at Shot and Steel too so it's good knowing that you have like a newbie with you so when you have no idea what's going on, it's like, do you know what's going on? No. Okay, then right, I feel a bit better now. And she said, no, I didn't just not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so is it the, the people when the so have you had many new joiners since you've played? Yeah, um, even this year. So what we're in March now, um, I think yeah. we had six newbies this year. So it's incredible for the women's team. Yeah, and do you feel like maybe you put your, your arm around someone now and you're like, do you know what you're doing? And oh, 100 Is it nice to do that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love it. Not that I know all the laws inside out. I'll openly tell someone, like, I've got no clue why that was a penalty. But yeah. I'll try and explain as much as I possibly can. But no, I love welcoming the newbies down. Um, I think they look at me sometimes like I'm on crack or something because I'm just, like, excited to see a new person. Yeah. No, it, and that's exactly how women's sports go. We're not just rugby, isn't it? It's thriving at the minute. So we'll, we'll go back to your first game then. So you, you played on the wing. Yep. You're not quite sure. No idea. What 
never mind the score, but what happens? Um, how was your first tackle? How was the first carry? And I don't know, being honest. I think I've like I pushed that to the back of my brain. It was just like the whole experience was just kind of overwhelming, being honest. Yeah. I think it was I the welcoming by my team too was probably like the biggest memory I remember from that game of like yeah. getting to the clubhouse and being in the changing room experience and doing the warm up together and then doing your first ever like huddle as well. It was just because in any, every other sport I've done, we've never done anything like that. So right. I think it was just that closeness and that bond and you know, it was lovely. Yeah. And before, so you, you mentioned before, and obviously it's a question I'll ask, and I ask everyone the dark questions, but how, how were the nerves that first game day and what does a game day involve for you? So talk us through, firstly, your very first game. And then if you can, from getting up to kick off, what, what does your morning entail? Okay, okay. So that first game, I don't really remember a single thing I did. I remember braiding my hair because I remember the girls telling me that loads of them braided their hair for games. So that's like really the only thing I remember from my first ever game. Um, yeah. But my games these days, it starts with me getting up. Um, I'll braid my hair or I'll get one of my friends to braid my hair at the clubhouse. So that's obviously stuck then, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really yeah. has. Any game where I don't braid my hair, I feel weird. I feel really... Right like kind of superstitious I'm like oh I've not braided my hair um I've got a really weird pre-game ritual of getting a piece of fruit and um, having a pear is my favorite thing and I'll like I'll hold up the pear and I'll say to the girls like power of the pear there's no power in this pear but in my head I did a joke once and I said there's power in this pear and it's just stuck doesn't matter if I have a banana, a pear, an apple, I have to have a piece of fruit and say that there's power in it. And my best mate, Shan, made a joke one day saying about Vaseline makes your lips not dry. Um, not dry, so you're less dehydrated. So I say to everybody now that I have to have lips all for a game because it'll make me run faster. So like, I don't know. I don't know why I have these weird things. So I have to have some fruit and say to people that there's yeah. power in it and I have to have lip seal because I'm positive it makes you run faster right and what time do you kick off you said you play on Sundays yeah we play on Sundays and it's 2 30 yeah. kickoff right so you, that's so when we oh, oh right in our so I'd say from six well all the junior teams and then senior cults we used to call it so it's under 19s I think it's 18s now were all Sundays when you got to 17 you kicked off at R12 which is a bit easier didn't have as long to to wait around and stuff the, the two o'clock kickoffs were always tricky and I felt that's what we used to play at, at senior cults so the start of senior rugby sort of thing so how do you find the later kickoffs I don't mind to being honest because I've never not played a game that's not a 2.30 kickoff. So, so you don't know no different, basically. I don't yeah. know any different. Um, I think if I ever had a game that wasn't this time, I don't know if it would throw me off or it would just be weird. Yeah. So. And would you rather play a Saturday or a Sunday? You're happy with a Sunday? I would 100% rather play a Saturday because when you get yeah. the win or even if it's a lose and you felt like you played good, like knowing that you can go out and celebrate or I think 
the annoying thing of playing on Sundays is that you're walking wounded on a Monday. Like there's just no way about it if you're. So in Shetland, we would say Spaggy, and Spaggy is right. basically Doms. So yeah. basically, when you like struggle to sit down on the toilet, etc., because your muscles are sore. So I'm terribly Spaggy on a Monday because I just can't move. So at least if we play, well, on Saturday, you won't be anywhere. Trust me, <laughs> <laughs> you won't be after a Saturday. It doesn't change. <laughs> um, but even if you had that, like, kind of the Sunday to kind of recover or to like go sit in a steam room or a sauna or just anything like that, yeah. do you know what I mean? Or die on the couch. At least you have that. I say you are posh. You know, I posh in the sauna or an tub and that. Not none of that. Just <laughs> more the crisp, like you said, on the it. couch. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so when when you start playing, is it is it the wing until you begin to understand the little intricacies and stuff and then where do you end up finding yourself or is the wing somewhere you're happy at? Um yeah, so I was primarily always on the wing and then for a while I was at full back. Um and recently my coach um has been putting me at 13 sometimes. So I've always played either 11, 14. 15 or now 13. Right, so a few questions for you then, because you're a veteran now after five years. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, defending on the wing, how do you find that? Are you someone, do you trust your 13 enough to, to hold your whip, or yeah. are you someone that backs the pace? Um, no, 110% trust my players when I'm on the wing. I feel good. Yeah. The right. position I don't feel where I have like enough trust is 15 because I know I'm the last line of defence and that's where I like shit myself. Because <laughs> I'm like, if they get through me, then that's it. So The only thing is though, what you've got to think of, and I don't want to be too critical of people, but for them to get to you, someone has not done their job, have they? Yeah. And then once, and it, like, you'll know yourself now, but when people flood through, it's never one on one, Ashley, is it? Yeah, no, <laughs> never. So it's about it's it's just yeah your decision making. So you don't like defending at fifteen, really, just because you feel like you're the pressure of last line. Yeah, defense, I just feel like I'm the last man standing. I just think the pressure's just a bit like oh god. <laughs> right, and what you like under a high ball then? Awful! I cannot catch to save my life. So fifteen does not suit me very well. <laughs> but do you do you find that it? The field's a bit more open for you at 15 and yeah. even maybe 13 a little bit. Yeah, definitely, because you've not really got like that kind of one channel to sit and operate in. Um, it is good. I do enjoy all the positions that I get put in, being honest. Um, but I do I do worry at 15 the most, I would say. Right, and what what about 13 do you find tricky? Because you've I'd say as a defender, you're probably in the back line. Probably the key man at 13, or key lady at 13, sorry. So it's just decision-making, I imagine, it's, it comes down to, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's just the decision-making aspect of do you, like, kind of blitz up to get them or do you kind of help with your winger alongside you, etc. I think that's the element. And then also you have 12 as well, so you've got that many options at 13. Yeah. So just for viewers and listeners that might not know, so a blitz would be basically line speed wouldn't it so you go up as a flat and then sometimes you'll play a drift I imagine Ashley so you're up and out sort of thing aren't you it's it's I've no doubt people know it they listen but you've got to you've got to explain it a little bit aren't you sometimes 
So with ball in hand, what is it that you enjoy enjoy doing most with the ball in your hand? Running. I love running. <laughs> That's my favourite. Uh, spaces, not faces. Yeah, exactly. I will avoid contact as much as physically possible. I do not like contact, but I play two heavy contact sports. So it doesn't really make yeah, sense. Which is bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you're in game time, did, did you appreciate how much you'd you'd have to do? So there's vocally, isn't there? There's listening, there's understanding where you're at on the field to decide what you want to do. So when did you feel not so overwhelmed? When did you think this is a bit of me, I like this? Probably my second season is when I really started getting into it. My first season, I don't know if it's just because I had to learn a brand new sport whilst playing it. I never really gave myself the chance to learn away from the pitch just because I joined pre-season and then the season started. So I think it was just the timing. I felt it was just always, I was in a game and I felt like I was doing a lot of things wrong and I just wasn't having enough time to prepare myself to learn the laws, et cetera. So I think it was when I came into season two, that's when I was just like, right, okay, I'm starting to get this a bit more. And I think it was more of the strength aspect as well. I'd never really gone in the gym to sit and do weights or anything like that. And it was only after our coaches telling us that, like, if you actually have some strength behind you, this will make it easier. Because I always thought of cardio, cardio, cardio. I'm the runner in the team and this will just be it. Yeah. So how were the intricacies for you to get hold of? How did you find, like, where to put your head in a tackle? And how did you find having to come through the gate and things like that? I uh, imagine that was all a bit... That was all a bit much. And even now, yeah, like, I, I make so many mistakes now. <laughs> yeah. It's how you learn, actually, isn't yeah, it? You, you're not going to get better if you're great at it straight away. It's... Absolutely. So no, I think um, the weirdest thing for me to understand was probably the laws of like knowing that you can't go in the side, etc. Knowing what a rock is, and it was probably learning more from the referees is probably where I've helped myself more now of being able to understand what's going on because I was always the player on the pitch that when they called something, I didn't know what to do, and I would just kind of be like stood. I wouldn't be getting back ten or anything like that, or get ready for a quick ball. Because I'd be like, I don't understand what's what's going on. Right, and then the referee's quite good with you. Yeah, like, yeah. Could, could you approach him in the bar after the game and say, like, what, what was the call with this? Or, yeah, they're quite good. Yeah, they're really, really good. And then, um, like, yeah. our captains, except that we've had in our team, are so knowledgeable, too. So yeah. when something does happen, they'll relay, relay it back to the team and we know exactly what's going on. Right. Obviously, if you play hard on the field, How's your social playing hard? How do you find the social side of rugby? Uh, the social side of rugby was terrifying when I first went <laughs> to social. Um, I never realised how much I could drink until I joined yeah. rugby. <laughs> um, I definitely frightened my own dad when he came to the pub for a rugby social once. He <laughs> couldn't believe the rate I was sitting drinking pints. Um, but it was just what's the goal to match? Oh, I love Madri. Madri. Yeah, do you? Yeah. You know what I could drink? Yeah. yeah. But then saying that though, I could I'll drink anything sometimes, which is terrible. Oh, yes, there a few Madris though. Exactly. I don't know if that's a Scottish yeah. in me though. I don't think it's got anything to do with rugby that I think it's just a Scottish. Yeah. So 
it's all a massive culture change when you first go, isn't it? So you're getting you're getting used to one to go with. Two, to understand what you need, where where you need it, when you need it. Three, you're starting to build little relationships, which you've been very good at in the past. So you've done it through school, which two of your best friends now are original school friends, which is great, isn't it? You've gone and seen a bit of the world and got to know people from the Shetland Council and you've branched out in other communities. And it's probably without you knowing some of the tougher communities as well which yeah. we probably bypass. So South Africa is very still, I know apartheid isn't there anymore, but mm-hmm. it sort of still is, isn't it? It's still... Yeah, absolutely. There's still like that kind uh, of vibe. Aust- yeah, and then the Australians sometimes aren't the easiest to get on with if you're a POM, or they'll probably class you as a POM, won't they? Yeah, that's not. It. Yeah, and then, so throughout your life, you've learned, as you've got older, and you've got much better at it, building these little bonds. Was it... Was it easy to do off the field as much as it was on the field? Yeah, I think so. I think that's just like my personality, though, um, and just kind of the way that I grew up and the experiences that like I had myself. I think it was just it was it just came quite naturally to me. Right, and surely in the old clubhouse they didn't have a posh madri. No, they didn't. So um, what was you having to? Oh, what was I normally drink? I was not when I first started. It was very much like the designated driver. So I'd be the one that would sit and shove everyone into my mini and take everyone down to the pub. So that's what I would do. So I'd normally have like a shandy. Um, but when I did start going out and drinking with them, it would literally just be, I love Malibu. <laughs> yeah. So probably a Malibu and lemonade or a Malibu and Coke. <laughs> right. And what's women's rugby like? So is it is it quite fast if you got it? more than enough teams to go and play and um we've lost a few teams in our league after covid we found trying to get people back into the sport was a little bit difficult um i think it was just well covid changed so much for everyone didn't it but we did find in the women's league that we lost a few teams which is unfortunate just because they folded because they might have not been able to get the original team back together um, yeah. The period of time of being out of rugby, I think contact sports kind of frighten people as well. Yeah. I think people have just got used to a, to a new routine, haven't they? Yeah, They've got definitely. too used to not doing it. Yeah. Because that's definitely happened in the, like, the men's game up here. Yeah. The numbers have drastically dwindled. And they've tried to, I don't know what it's like for you, but they've tried to like uh, regionalise the leagues. So we mm-hmm. had like a breakaway. So I think the furthest journey was 50 minutes because that was one of the big issues in our travel. Yeah. So hopefully the game will keep growing and because the, the Welsh Rugby Union as well are starting to centralise women's contracts again, aren't they? Or yeah, yeah, they are. And then, um, yeah. The WRU, like they've just started doing contracts for women. So it's just, it's incredible of where the sport's going for women's rugby. More and more people. So, for example, we've had six newbies this year for shot and steel. Like, that's incredible. Like, knowing that we've got that many newbies in such a short period of time. Um, So the word's getting out there a lot more. So, fingers crossed. Oh, that's it. So, how does American football fit into your life? Where did this come from? Best friend, Holly. Um, she played rugby with me and she played at Cheshire Bears for American football and they were doing rookie day sessions and she said to me and my best friend Shan so it's the three of us 
um, all playing rugby together. She was like, come on, just try it out. And we went and I loved it. I was just like, oh God, <laughs> how am I going <laughs> to juggle these sports? Yeah. So, yeah and that's a Saturday you mentioned. That's a Saturday, yeah. yeah. Right. So how do you find doing the intricacies of rugby with very little padding to doing the intricacies of American football, which are different, aren't they? Yeah. With a lot of padding, how, how, do you, how do you find that? So I went back to American football a few weeks ago and we were doing tackling drills <laughs> with the padding on. And <laughs> with my coach beside me, I said to him, I was like, I don't like tackling with padding on because I just felt restricted. I just felt like I couldn't move properly. I didn't really know where my head was getting placed. Um, but obviously the rules are that much different with American football. You can just bang into someone basically in his class as like a legal tackle. No, that's it, yeah. So do you find it easier transitioning from rugby to American football, but then it gets difficult going back? Yes. So I find that doing rugby to American football is easier. But I find that when I play American football on a Saturday and then go to rugby on a Sunday, I'm doing American football things in rugby. So I kind of like when I transition from the two sports, I bring the habits from one sport into one, which is told no. And then when I do the opposite thing for the other sport, they're just like, what are you doing? I can tell that you've played American football or can tell you've been playing rugby. So it's hard because they do... They complement each other really, really well, the two sports, but at the same time, they really don't. So, not very different, yeah, aren't yeah, absolutely. they? Absolutely. So, position wise, where would you be playing in American football? So, American football, my first season, I was running back. So, That's I great. love, I loved it. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, but then, unfortunately, I broke my ankle in rugby. So, I had to take a season out of rugby um, and a season out of American football. And I've come back to American football and rugby. Um, but for American football this season, I'm going to be a linebacker. So I'm going to be joining defence rather than offence. So, yeah, so you get a bit of the, you're getting a bit of the bash now you've had the carrying. So talk to us about that injury then, because that's not minor, is it? No, um, it was just a bad body positioning when I got tackled I got tackled by two women at the same time one took the upper half one took the bottom half my ankle just went right and did you know instantly no no right no when do you think that yeah definitely um I drove home on it because (laughs) (laughs) I I told myself it was my tendons I literally just got it in my head that I couldn't suffer a bad injury but I couldn't walk on it um, my ankle was obviously a big balloon. It was horrible and yellow and fat. Um, and then the following day, I was hobbling around using a mop as a crutch because I couldn't walk. Still telling myself it was tendons. I think it came to about four o'clock in the afternoon the following day. That I was just like, no, nah, I need to, I need to go to Asia. Yeah, and I got there, and they were just like, you've got a spiral fracture. On your ankle and your ankles displayed. Oh, that's a nasty one as well. Yeah, yeah. a nasty one. So, because the lady, when I went to the hospital, my ankle was just kind of at this point, I couldn't really move it. It was it was displaced as well. Yeah. Um, and she was saying, she was like, Can you move your ankle up? Because I need to x-ray it. And I was just like, I'm moving it. And she was just like, 
you're not moving it. And she told me to stop being lazy. She was like, stop being lazy. Just move your ankle. <laughs> and I was like, I actually can't. I, said, I cannot move my ankle. And then um, she pushed it into position and got the x-ray and she came through. And she was like, I'm actually really sorry. She was just like, you must be in a lot of pain. She was just like, you've got a spiral fracture and a, a displaced ankle. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it wasn't very good, but I don't think... How it... did you get that back in? So I had to wait there on it for a week in a moon boot to try force it back into position because because of COVID, they said, like, you're, we might have to operate because they told me at A&E, like, don't eat. Um, we think you're going to have to need surgery the following day. I was just like, right. oh, this is awful. But just because the likes of COVID still, like, a high thing, they yeah. said, you need to wait there and to try place my ankle back into natural position rather than potentially forcing it into position I didn't want to go into so I tried to yeah. wait there for a week um I couldn't really wait there it was so painful um but by the time I went back and got the moon boot off then they said that I put the ankle back into position from weight bearing so then I got my cast etc on and thank you so no, I was going to say no pins Screws, bars, nothing. No, thank goodness. How do you go and get your confidence back when that's right? How do you do that? Um, so I hung up my boots. I said to my team, I was like, I'm done now. Um, I was just that frightened of an injury like it happening again and was frightened about taking time off work. Um, yeah. And then we went for a rugby social. We went to the Heart of Wales Festival and I brought my boots with me as kind of a joke. To be like, oh, if they really need me, I'll put my boots on and I'll play. Uh, I probably shouldn't admit this because my dad will probably listen to this. But I was half cut. I had a few to drink because I was just like, oh, I'll be Dr. Courage. I put my boots on and I no, played. That's it. And that was it. I came, I joined rugby yeah. again. Um, so if I didn't do that, I don't think I would have returned to the sport. Right, I was going to say, and I was work with that because it's it's a nasty one, isn't it? Um, being honest, work was really, really good. I had a really good manager. Um, I think it helped that COVID was still a thing because people were working from home. So I was lucky to be yeah. in a position that I could work from home. Um, but I think if, for example, if I was in the job I was in now, where I have to yeah. be out and about on sites, etc., I wouldn't be in such a lucky position. Right. No, it it. it sort of good and bad isn't it you've suffered but obviously it's your work hasn't suffered yeah absolutely I think if I did come to an element where my work suffered I would have to be like no I have to give up the sport yeah but at least you think sensible don't you some like some people go and try it until there is no work there then and the rugby doesn't pay your bills unfortunately does it no definitely not yeah so when when you miss them seasons are you still going up the club and watching and are you still going to the American football and watching, yeah? Um, so I, I said I was going to go to American football, but it was just things were happening at the time, so I never did. Um, I wish yeah. I did, though. But for rugby, I live five minutes away from my clubhouse. So, yeah, I would always I'd go down, sit and scream at them. <laughs> <laughs> I've think... actually seen a picture, I've seen it. Is it when your foot's on the... Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's on the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> I went down with my moon boot to go support them. But I think that was really, really hard going down and supporting them, knowing that I couldn't play. I just felt like 
I don't know. I just felt like I wasn't giving anything back to the club, but obviously it meant a lot that I was on the side of the pitch with them. But at the time, I was yeah. just like, I just want to play. So. Right. And, and how does it go about? Is there any like rep opportunities for you, or did he have um, like a North North Wales women's team or? Yeah, so there is. So there's more like um, rep opportunity coming up. So we have something called RGC, um, which is kind of like the North Wales League that you get selected for. Um, and then from RGC, there's more opportunities in terms of Scarlets, etc. Um, but one thing that's like getting more of opportunities here is the Rugby League. Yeah. So I've joined that. <laughs> So have you have you played rugby league before? No, never played. So they've literally just started a women's league um for rugby league and yeah. we're waiting to do like a taster kind of session and things like that. So So yeah. are you girls from Shot and Steel gonna play both cards? Yes, yes, some of them are. Yeah. yeah, so not all of them. Um it was a someone um used to play for Shot and Steel for us. She left Union, joined League, she joined uh, Warrington Wolves. And right. um, since then, she's managed to represent Wales. She got a Wales shirt. She got her cap. So she was kind of like my inspiration to be like, well, you know what, I want to try a league and see if it's good or not. Right. Have you watched it? Yes. I've like I'll go down and watch the boys play league. Yeah. I have no idea what's going on. I'm not gonna lie, because one of our rugby coaches he played league, so we'd go down and support him and things like that too. But. Yeah. I can't get my head around it, but I'm sure it'll be something else. Well, so typically, instead of staying on the floor when you tackle, just got to get up and play the ball. And the other thing is, you know, that the back foot, it doesn't exist, so you just got a 10-metre shuttle run. Mm-hmm. Predominantly, they're the main changes and, and the six tackles, so you'll be more than fine. Everything's this pretty much the same, and you won't have to go up in a line up. That's yeah, nice. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... You can't say you're frightened of a challenge, can you? No, definitely not. You're not You'll throw your body into anything, won't you? So definitely, I'm a glutton for punishment. I think. <laughs> so we. So what banner will the rugby league be under? Will it not be under Sean? I don't uh, know. So it'll come under the North Wales Crusaders. Right. It'll come under, but I've got no idea in terms of what the league will look like. I don't know what other teams are potentially going to be coming forward, or if it'll always kind of be away. So it's really exciting to see that it's it's really in the development stages of it. It's brand new, just kind of putting the toes in the water to see what's happening with it. Despite the bit of women's rugby up here, so there's a good chance that you might get right in it like a pool system. So they'll be they've not got league games. Yeah, you'll be able to play the odd friendly here and there. But uh, the best of luck with that. Yeah, definitely. I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting started. It'll be good fun. Oh, but yeah, so when all these opportunities are coming, was this never ever in your mind at all when you, you left home? No, never. <laughs> never in my life. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's madness. So these Six Nations parties, how do you go about organising them and are you are you the heart and soul of things? Um. I wouldn't say I'm the heart or soul. It's probably my friends. Like they're all like they're always wanting to get together and things like that. And I'm just lucky in the sense of like I've got my place and I'm just like, oh, let's just come to my house or anything like that. Because I think the friendship group that I've got, I'm just so lucky to have them. And 
how we all socialize together it doesn't matter what we're doing we'll always have fun so it's that good and then obviously next weekend super saturday so i'm already like dreading my hangover <laughs> you're prepping yeah. so what's what's the future future ambitions for you are you happy just going about playing the game if the rep stuff doesn't happen it doesn't happen yeah, um, but I would yeah. definitely put my hat in the ring. Um, they do like RGC trials and things like that. So I'd, I'm definitely not of an ability to be selected for anything like that, but I would 110% try. Yeah, so. there's no harm in going. If exactly. nothing else, it's that's a lesson, everything. isn't it? You know what the standard is. and Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Right, so come to that time of the chat, I have a few daft questions for you. No problem. <laughs> Right, so we we touched on it a little bit, didn't we, with the fruit and stuff. So any pre-match superstitions barring the fruit and the uh, the Vaseline for, for your speed? That's it. It has to just be the power of the fruit and Vaseline makes you run faster. That's my pre-match superstitions. Obviously, I think everybody has the same pre-match superstitions of you have to go for a nervous pee and a nervous poo. Yeah. But I think yeah. everybody does that. Well, you only do one. <laughs> you're not that nervous <laughs> so you might not know them you might just remember a club or a number so the toughest player you've played with and against burning in mind the definition of tough is different for everybody so you might see someone that does the nitty gritty stuff that no one notices but you might see someone that'll just smash anything that moves definitely um Ooh, to sit and put it on one person is so incredibly tough. Some of the women that I play against, you worry when you have to line up against them. You're like, oh God, you're my opposite number. And then there's other times where we're doing the warm up and I look at my team and I'm like, thank God you're wearing a shot and steel shirt. <laughs> um, toughest player. I don't know, being honest. I love being put up against my own team. Um, in training because their confidence gives me more confidence right. so that's what I really, really like doing as much as yeah. I don't like it at the same time because when I do get paired with them I'm like please don't hurt me but at the same <laughs> time I love it because their confidence kind of like comes into me I don't yeah. really know how to like explain it any better it's just I don't know it, it just spurs you know yeah, yeah definitely yeah it gives you an extra level or 10 percent yeah. or whatever absolutely yeah. right your favorite away ground that you've played at because you're quite lucky with yours now so we can't say yours yeah definitely mm. yeah away ground without being rude i bet you go to some shit holes don't you oh don't i won't mention one of them yeah <laughs> oh you don't need to but i imagine you do um away ground i'd probably say Oh, no, because I don't like that pitch. I like their clubhouse, but I really don't like their pitch. It's sandy. And then some other away grounds that I've gone to, I've never played there, but I always sit and think, like, ooh, this will be nice. But I was actually just in Nottingham last week because my best friend got selected to play for Team GB to represent the fire right. service. Um, yeah. The Nottingham Rugby Club looked really, really good. The pitch was amazing, really, really good facilities and things like that, but I've never played there, but I've watched it. Yeah. What would you rather have? A good pitch and a crappy club? Or a crappy pitch and a good club? A good pitch. 
Yeah. Even if the showers are rubbish. Oh, well, we've been to some places that like don't even have them facilities. Not very much like that. <laughs> but oh, when, you play on a, when you play on a good pitch, it just makes you feel better. We've gone to some places that have got great clubhouses, but the pitch just gives me the fear. And then you don't enjoy the game so much because your confidence isn't in it or you're just like, oh, God, I have to go play on that pitch. And you just don't enjoy it as much. But when you're on a good pitch, it's like, oh, this is incredible. And it's also if it's a muddy pitch, everyone's as slow as me then. <laughs> <laughs> right, so if you're out and you, you've had a few madries, dark fruits, like we've said, there are other beverages available. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh... My go-to karaoke song. That's a good question. I'll sing anything, but I don't know the words to many songs, so I'm really, really good at just making it up or just, like, making a noise. I don't even, like, sing sometimes. I'll just, like, kind of squeal. Yeah, but you'll get up. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I love, yeah. I love sitting singing and making a tip myself. Anyone that comes in my car on away games, they'll get my carpool karaoke. I feel for them all. I really, really do. Um, but any songs, ask me anything from The Greatest Showman. I love The Greatest Showman. I love saying that. Oh, my gosh, John. I know, I've been, I've been told several times. Oh, oh, we'll have to watch it. It's dead good. Yeah, so it's a Greatest Showman uh, yeah. mashup. I love it. It's my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you could go back and tell a younger you something that you've learned, what would it be? To just always be your authentic self. For I don't know how many years I would just try, fit in, or adapt so I could suit other people's needs or fit in a little bit more. And it's just, it's not worth it. I'm my most yeah. authentic self and I'm the happiest I've ever been. It's just. Do you think that's held you back in the past then, actually? Yes, 110%. Yeah. No doubt about it because I was never confident because I didn't know who I was or. I was never certain on what decisions I would make because I'd be like, well, if I'm trying to be somebody else, they would say yes. But if I was trying to be me, I'd be like, well, I would say no. So I was always kind of caught between two worlds sometimes when I wasn't myself. It's understandable. Right. And if you can, even if it's just you shot on girls, give them a shout out. But you're one to 15 that you played with. One to 15. What's that mean? So, your starting team for Shotton. Oh, Jesus. What would you pick it as? God, this is hard, this. We can leave it if you want. I don't think I want to be on the pitch with anybody else apart from Shotton Steel. But... Right, how many how many girls do you have? Um, I don't know, being honest. I think registered. I think we have high 20s. So, in the so club. do you do you all manage to get in a game day squad, or do you have two teams? So it's one game day squad. Sometimes we do struggle for numbers. Um, quite a lot of our girls in the team we work shifts and things like that. So availability because sometimes we be a bit difficult, but no, it's just one team we put out. So say you had late twenties all available, yeah. would you all get a game? So I think we're allowed twenty three on the team sheet. That's what I was going to say, yeah. yeah. So does it get a bit tricky then? We've never had... I think we might have had 20 full, maybe once right. in our lives. I think that's been it. 
that's the beauty then I suppose isn't it definitely it's few 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 and far between have we ever had to sit and say yes no yes no yes no right so feel free to fire some names at me who you think would probably be a a standout to it to a team if you were to pick it oh so I wouldn't have anybody else at my 10 than Leanne Parry love her a bit such a good 10 Made for that position. Yeah. Um, Key position as well, that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, that fly-half standoff. Um, ooh. Number eight. I'm just picking some random numbers here. Has to be yeah. Holly Hughes or Zoe Elizabeth. Has to be two of my shotgun girls. So good. Um, and I'll just pick one other number. Yeah. Probably say any of the flankers. Lauren Jones, absolute hero on the pitch. Right, that's a tough position to play as well, isn't oh it? Oh my golly, yeah, she could go anywhere. I've seen her do hooker, I've seen her do flank, I've seen her be in the backs with us. She can literally just go anywhere. You don't, you don't want to get used to playing okay. <laughs> Is there any word you fancy playing and you've not managed to, to play there yet? I went through a phase when I broke my ankle of wanting to be nine because I thought yeah. nine don't get tackled that much. That's how I always saw it. I was just like, because they yeah. always have that like kind of tactical element of kind of getting the ball out or anything like that. Um, I've never played there though. Don't know if I would actually enjoy it now. I think that was just kind of like a phase I went through in my mind. Because like the confidence is just somewhere else, and I just thought, oh, maybe I'll go into yeah. like a tactical position. But no, I'd rather I love the wing. The wing's my favourite. You've been listening to Trot the Eggin. Thanks to our sponsors, Bardell Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Trot the Eggin and Instagram at Trot underscore the underscore egg underscore in. <laughs>